Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Tuesday, Tuesday of the 17th week in Ordinary Time. And can you believe that we're almost at the end of the month of July? Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you listening here on The Inner Life today. And when you were young, what's the one thing that you wanted as a child? That one gift or that one present that you always wished you'd receive? Every Christmas or every birthday, would you be looking for that one thing? You'd be hoping that your parents got it for you, or maybe you wrote a letter to Santa telling him that you'd been a good boy or you'd been a good girl, and you really wanted that one special present. For me, that was a dog. When I was little up until I was five years old, we had a dog, Max, and he was a great little dog, but when I was five, we moved and we couldn't take him with us. So he ended up staying with my older brother who had his own place by then. And for the next five years, I was a boy without a dog. I would ask all the time, routinely, if we could get another dog. Didn't matter what kind. I would have been happy with any dog. But a year went by, no dog. Another birthday, another Christmas, still no dog. But I kept asking. I kept hoping. My daughter, Trinity, when she was eight, maybe nine years old, somewhere around there, now she loved horses and ponies, and like so many other girls, she had this romanticized ideal of how wonderful her life would be if she could just have a pony. I remember one time we ended up going to this park that had carnival rides, and they also had an area set up for pony rides in Trinity. She just begged and begged, oh, can I go on the ponies? Can I go on the pony ride? And so we paid the few dollars, however much it was, to let Trinity ride on the pony for those three or four minutes that they allowed for the ride. And for me and for my wife, Belen, as we were watching these five ponies slowly going around in a circle, all of the ponies, they're anchored to this center metal circle that spun on an axis. Well, we're both watching Trinity, but we're kind of quietly commenting to each other about how it was, it was a little depressing to see these ponies. You know, their heads are hanging down. They're slowly walking this dirt path that they've been walking for however many days, maybe even weeks. I'm not saying the ponies were mistreated or anything like that. It, it just, you, I was pretty sure looking at them, they would have rather been out in a field free to move on their own rather than tethered to that circle there. But in spite of our adult view of this pony ride, Trinity, she was in heaven. She was smiling, this big ear-to-ear smile, as she sat there on that little saddle on the pony. And Trinity, similar to me asking about getting a dog when I was young, well, she would ask us about getting a pony. Now, this was also around the time where different toy manufacturers, they started offering these animatronic kind of ponies. These were these ponies that stood maybe between two to three feet tall, 
and they just stand still. They didn't walk around, but they were sturdy enough that kids could sit on them, and if the child pet them in different areas where there were sensors built into the toy, if they patted on the head or pet its back or things like that, then the pony would respond with movements and sounds. But that's not really what Trinity wanted. More than a robotic pony, Trinity would rather have a real pony. But her mother and I, we were very honest with her about it. Honey, we're not going to be able to get you a pony. We don't have the yard for it. The city probably doesn't even allow for a pony where we live. Plus, we don't have the money for all the food and the vet care that would be required. But that didn't stop Trinity from still hoping, still dreaming that there might be a way, that however remote the possibility, she might one day have a pony. And I do feel for her, you know, back then. After all, when I was 10 years old, we finally did get another dog. And then we had some friends who became missionaries, and they went to Ecuador. And so shortly after that, they asked us to take care of their dog. So we had two dogs in the span of about a year that entered our house when I was young. But poor little Trinity, unfortunately, she has never owned a pony. <laughs> so our kids did petition us for different, uh, a different type of pet, though, one that was a little more realistic. And in fact, our three oldest girls, I think they were probably, I don't know, 13, 11, and 9, something like that at the time. They got together and they made this PowerPoint presentation about all the reasons that they should be allowed to have a pet. They outlined, especially the, the pet they were asking for, they outlined the low cost of the care, how they had individually shown their growth and the great strides that each one of them had taken in becoming more responsible, responsible enough to care for a pet. And so the specific pet that they wanted, the PowerPoint presentation that they just gave to me and their mother, they were asking for a pet rat. Yes, that's right, a rat. Uh, and we did end up eventually getting a pair of pet rats. They're actually called fancy rats. Uh, that's, the, that's the way that they're described when they're pets, when they're not pests. And uh, they're in this large cage. It's actually a fairly large cage, much bigger than what you might have for a hamster or a gerbil. But when the girls were actually making that presentation, as they're going through and trying to be very... Uh, you know, proper and businesslike, and, you know, we've really thought this through, and they're, they're making their case there. You could still see there's that optimism in their eyes. There's that hope. Please, please, we're really hoping, can we get a pet? And I think we all have similar experiences, you know, whether it's a pet or whether it's something else. We all know what it's like to hope for that thing that you really want. As a kid, maybe you did get that thing that you hoped for. Or maybe like Trinity, not getting a pony, maybe you didn't get that thing you hoped for. But as an adult, as a Catholic, let me ask you, where does your hope lie right now? Is it focused on another thing, another product, another grown-up type of toy? Or is your hope focused on something that will last? Today, we want to spend this hour of the inner life talking about hope, true hope, that's one of what the church calls the theological virtues and helping us understand what we mean when we talk about hope and how we can live that out in our lives. One of our spiritual directors joining us for the hour today, Father Peter Cameron. He's a Dominican priest in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. He's the prior of St. Patrick Priory there in Columbus. Father Peter, welcome back to the program. What was the one gift, the one thing that maybe you were hoping and hoping as a child? Do you have one of those that you remember? I do, and I'm not going to tell you, Josh. <laughs> You're not still holding out hope? Is it one of those, like, if you, if no. you say the wish out loud, it's not going to come true? 
reason I'm not going to do it is because I don't want to confuse your readers, your listeners, because hope is really not about anything finite. Okay. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. I mean, because um, even if you were to give your daughters a whole uh, stable of ponies, ultimately um, what they really, what their heart is really made for would still be throbbing and belonging and because it's made for the infinite and hope is geared to that. Well, and what you're saying kind of reminds me of that famous quote of St. Augustine. Our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. And That's that, the whole thing. Yeah. So let, let's, uh, first of all, um, I, I always like to make sure that we're on the same page when we're talking about different uh, theological uh, concepts or, you know, different teachings of the church. And so I mentioned this is a virtue. So perhaps before we go into talking about hope itself, can you help us understand what do we mean when we say that word virtue? What is a virtue? A virtue is a habit for uh, doing good that becomes permanent. And the more virtues we have, the more we are on the solid path to becoming a saint, to achieving the happiness and the holiness that defines the human life. So a habit for doing good that helps us on our road to eternal life. Right. Are those things that, does the church have a finite list of virtues, or are there other things that might fall into a category of virtue? Anytime I'm following my conscience, am I kind of living in a virtuous way, or would we be, always be able to categorize in some sort of way what we're doing if we're trying to build up that habitual good behavior? If your conscience is well-formed, then it would lead to that. And I mean, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of virtues. The, the three principal ones that are considered the theological virtues are faith, hope, and charity, because those virtues all are ordered to God and our life with God. And that's really what we're talking about. So, and you also mentioned, as I was asking you about, you know, is there something you might have hoped for as a child that we want to look beyond this world. We use that word hope as we're talking about it in so many different ways. You know, um, it, it can be a way to wish somebody the best. You know, I hope you have a safe, tr safe trip. I hope you stay healthy. I hope you win the lottery, whatever it may be. How do we have a better understanding of what we're actually talking about? What is Christian hope? A Christian hope is a reaching out for uh, something in the future that is perceived as a good and that will fulfill us. And ultimately, that is God and our union with God. So, as we're talking about this then, you mentioned the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Hope, any time that we talk about it, it seems that... It's hard to talk about hope. You know, Nick had sent through some different things, our producer here, um, uh, different scripture quotes, different things. One of the ones that is always, uh, you know, always sticks in my mind is where we look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, and it's kind of called the faith chapter, but it defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for. Hope and faith just seem like, it, it's almost like you can't have one without the other. It's true, because 
faith is acknowledging a presence that changes you and to which you want to uh, adhere and stay with for the rest of your life. Hope basically begins from uh, the stance of a kind of a of an absence. We could even say a real absence because we know we need something more than what we have right now, and that that thing, which is not a thing, it's a someone, it's a it's a person exists and has put this desire, this longing, in our heart precisely so that we will reach out to it. So in that respect, they are very similar. The thing that I always think about with faith and hope, um, and, and also bringing into it love or charity, is they also seem to fall in, you mentioned, you know, absence when it comes to hope, uh, faith being something that is in the past. And that's kind of, when I say the past, it's like we have this kind of time concept when it comes to faith, hope, and love. Faith looks to what has happened in the past, having that trust, that belief that something has already occurred. Love is something that's taking place in the present moment. But hope is about what is yet to come. Uh, And, you know, you use that word absence but it also seems to be looking to the future, not just because there is that absence, but with optimism. That, that hopeful, a hopeful individual having that virtue of hope, it, it can't just be looking ahead with defeatism or pessimism. There has to be that optimism. It, that, it, that's what it seems to me is that kind of an accurate understanding of, of how hope is viewed. Can we, can we be hopeful individuals? if we are not somewhat optimistic? Well, actually, that's a word that I avoid at all costs in speaking about hope because it's a, it's a pigeonhole word, and so if people have some conception of optimism and then <clears throat> hope is used sort of to uh, in the same category as, as optimism, sometimes they shut down and they think, okay, I have this covered. So it's not just about being um, positive minded or having a sort of a positive outlook, it is a, it's an act of worship. Hope is an act of worship. Hmm. And optimism isn't. Optimism is just refusing to give in to the negative. And, you know, bully for the people that are able to do that, but they're not, it's not going to give them a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, there are a lot of really sad people that um, came to know Christ precisely through their sadness. They didn't have a, a speck of optimism in them. But the reality is, you know, to speak about this op- this absence, I think the the best starting point, uh, hands down, is the encyclical that Pope Benedict XVI published several years ago called Space Obbies, Saved in Hope, because he explains really the difference between optimism and and hope, and it's and it's this drive that is identical with what it means to be ho- human. He says it's basically natural to the human condition, to feel driven to what we would really like. And this is what anybody, uh, even the the most uh, belligerent pagan on the sidewalk, will say, true life. You know, the fact that they get up in the morning and they decide to live that day and not to end their life is in some way an implicit or tacit act of hope because they're looking for something. They're expecting there's going to be some fulfillment or some reason to keep on living. And so the Holy Father says, yet even though we do not know what that thing is toward which we feel driven, we can't stop reaching out for it. 
So that's not just optimism. That is, a, as he says, it's a drive. It's a drive. It's a drive rooted in the fact that even if I'm having the most uh, desperate and dark day of my life, like, for example, like I, I think the lepers in the gospel are, are truly people of hope because the, that one leper who, who finally meets Jesus Christ on the road, I mean, this day was no different from thousands of other days that he lived in which all he experienced was his own deterioration, his, his body falling apart. And for some reason, he got up and with an expectation that there would be something on the road worth going out there and reaching out for it, and it was Jesus Christ. And that's why he says to him, not in a question, but in a statement, if you will to do so, you can make me clean. That's hope. That's not optimism. That's hope. So, and that makes me go back to the phrase that you said, it's an act of worship. And it seems like as you're talking about that leper, he's almost saying in just a different way what Christ himself prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it seems so obvious to say that hope concerns the future, but if we don't start there with a, and very carefully look at this fact, we miss everything, because you have to keep in mind, Josh, pagans, people that lived before Christianity, had no notion of a future. When their life was over, they were dead. That's why Greek tragedy was so great, because the ultimate punishment for a hero is death, because there's nothing after death. But Christians know that that is not the fact, that, that the distinguishing mark of the Christian life is that they know that their life will not end in ep- emptiness. We're either going to be uh, rewarded in a life of, of blissful joy with those that we love, or we're going to be punished. But the point is, only when somebody knows that, that they have a, f- a future and that that future is posing something that is really worth striving for or, or, or living for, does it become possible to live in the present moment as well? And that's why, for example, in the country now, there's so much strife, there's so much discord, there's so much anarchy, there's so much outward violence. You know, I lived just a few months ago a, a stone's throw from Washington Square Park in New York City, Greenwich Village, where every night now there seems to be brawling and violence and, and all kinds of, of uh, just hostility. Well, it's not, um, it's not surprising and it's not unexpected because if I don't have um, a positive future to look forward to, then it's not possible for me to live my present well. And, and why would I want to? I'll just succumb to whatever passion leads me to do or to think. And and. And so it's, we're really experiencing a kind of a crisis in hopelessness in our country at the moment. Right. Another word that comes to mind is despair. But let's talk about that coming up in just a moment, Father. Uh, right now, I want to open up the studio lines for anybody who would like to call in. Our studio line here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our spiritual director today, Father Peter Cameron, he's a Dominican priest in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. And we're talking about the virtue of hope. When have you been able to practice that virtue of hope in your life, even in the midst of 
trials, of difficulties, of different sadness that you've been going through? And how has having that hope, being able to look at something beyond this life, having that hope in Christ, how has having that been able to allow you to have joy, not just happiness, not just optimism, but true joy in the face of suffering? How has your hope helped your journey, your your relationship with Christ. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. And our spiritual director today, Father Peter Cameron, a Dominican priest in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio, today talking about the virtue of hope and how we live that out in our lives, having a better understanding of it and how we can uh, live as hopeful followers of Christ. And uh, again, our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, right before the break, you were talking about the world we're living in has a lot of hopelessness in it. And uh, Connie is calling from New York and uh, has a question about uh, hope and sins against hope. Hi, Connie. Welcome to the program today. Oh, yes. Hi. I, I recently heard a homily by the priest, um, and he was saying that the two sins against hope were despair or presum- and presumption. Seemed like and made sense to me, and they seem like they were on either end of the spectrum, and I was wondering if you would comment on that, or maybe it doesn't, they are having a comment, but it, it made sense to me. <laughs> I agree with you, Connie. It really does make sense, and uh, uh, Father was was right, and in fact, uh, the Church regards those two saints, uh, those, those two sins, those two sins as the the gravest and the most uh, dangerous of all the sins that we can commit. St. Thomas Aquinas actually says that the sins against hope are more dangerous than the sins against faith or the sins against charity. So you think about that and say, well, why is that? And he gives a very uh, down-to-earth answer. He says, because when hope dies, we lose heart, and then we just flounder in wickedness. And Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, what we see happening in a, a lot of people in the country now, and sadly, especially young people who don't have an anchor. They, they don't have something. Um, and, and the remarkable thing is that there's, a, there's a, in, uh, an incredible connection between hope and despair, because both hope and despair are looking for the same thing. What they're looking for is, is an answer to the desire that I that I, that I am. And this is again St. Thomas Aquinas. He says, neither hope nor despair is directed towards anything 
that doesn't move our desire. And so, for example, Ponce, uh, in, the, in the Ponce of Pascal, he says, um, even even the person who is 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 approaching a noose to um, to commit suicide, to take his own life, is doing so because he wants happiness, even at that moment. And this is why St. Thomas also says that to be human is to be possessed of this incomparable capacity of our being. And so much of the despair in our life is because I know I need something, I know I need it, I can't find it, and so I just presume it doesn't ex- exist, and so I'm just going to give up. And that's so tragic, because that's when if there's just a Christian witness to stand before that person with a face of hope and gladness to say, no, I've met something, and it's real, and it's changed my life at the darkest and and the most dismal, miserable moment of my life, and he wants to come and find you too, that can be what what changes and saves them. Connie, thanks so much for your phone call. And again, our studio line open right now, 888-914-9149. And Father, as you're uh, talking there about despair, it also makes me think of Judas. You know, his life ends in despair, but he, while he had been the traitor, we also have Peter who ends up denying Christ. Both of them go away from that last encounter with Christ before he's crucified, and they're both in places of sadness, of sorrow, of regret of what they've done. Peter handles it differently than Judas. What do we learn from the way that Peter handles that maybe facing of despair but not giving into it? The major difference between Peter and Judas, who both committed the same horrific sin, is that Peter was a man of memory and Judas was a person of forgetfulness. Because at the moment of his sin... Peter remembered his roots. He remembered the presence of Jesus Christ. He remembered what had been promised. He remembered how Christ had called him and how that call was greater than any capacity on his part to commit evil. Because one of the first things that happened was in that boat and with the miraculous catch of fish. And Peter begs Jesus, leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And this is the only prayer that Jesus will not answer because he's never going to leave us. And so he returns to that moment, and this is the origin of hope. Hope is rooted in a present. If we can have a reasonable expectation about God and his goodness, says Pope Benedict XVI, we do so from the perspective of a present that is already given. So Peter at that moment remembered who Jesus was and continued to be in his life, and and he clung to that, and that's why he refused to, to step into the darkness that was beckoning him to, to uh, away from Christ uh, and, and not just denying him, but, but denying his own humanity, which is what, what caused poor Judas to succumb because he didn't remember. And so all that was left was just to step into the void in suicide. So uh, going back to that, that present that is already given that you're talking about, yeah, having that hope... Uh, if, if I'm looking at this virtue and I'm saying, well, yeah, I want to live this out, all of us are going to face those moments of sorrow, of regret, you know, things that, that whether it's outside circumstances and, and factors, 
that come at us or whether it's our own actions, something that we do that causes that regret um, or that sorrow, just like it was the actions of both Peter and Judas that caused that for them, their own actions. How do we, how do we get to a place where we don't commit that sin against hope? Where does hope start in our own lives? Well, as I say, I mean, what you're describing, Josh, is what the Church describes as spiritual combat, and is the reason why it, the Church uses battle imagery, because it really is a battle, because when, when those circumstances come and seem to conspire against a very happiness, it, it takes, um, it, it, we need weapons, you know, we, we need to be armed, we need to be battle-ready to, to jump into the fray and, and not to, as they say, to succumb, to give in to, to what is not true. And so, I mean, where does hope come from? It doesn't come from anything that I do. There's nothing I can do to give myself hope. And if I'm a sinner, and if I've just it, and made my life worse, and in, 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 in the circumstances of my life have also contributed to things falling apart from me and me going astray, how is it possible for me to have hope? I can't do anything. But hope doesn't come from what I do. This is, this is Father Julian Caron. He says, Hope comes from the awareness that there's someone who loves me with this everlasting love, who calls me into being every instant, having pity on my nothingness. So this is the key. Okay, you experience a lot of nothingness in your life. I experience a lot of nothingness in my life. We immediately think, oh, I've done something wrong, or God's abandoned me, or I no longer qualify for being a saint. No. It's what we do with that nothing, which is key. I mean, this is the reason last Sunday in the Gospel, when Jesus multiplies the loaves for the thousands, he says, collect the fragments. Because the fragments remind the people of the nothingness that turned into this miraculous meal for them. And that's, right. and he wants to keep doing that with our nothingness. Mm. You know, you said hope comes from the awareness of some, the, the, the awareness that somebody loves me. Yeah. And you're talking about Christ. You also mentioned in our opening segment, hope is an act of worship. Yeah. And so that that awareness that someone loves me, talking about Christ, that act of worship is is that really, I mean, in kind of a nutshell, is that what I'm going after? I just hope is really encapsulated in me recognizing having that awareness that God loves me, sent his only son. Christ wants me to be part of the body of Christ, wants me to be part of his family. So my act of worship is just simply getting to know Christ as well as I possibly can, having that relationship to the fullest degree possible. I think that's a large part of it. I would only add to it that uh, a major aspect of that worship is saying in with faith and trust to Jesus Christ, I believe, Lord, you have given me a destiny. I'm not. De I'm not. Um, the purpose of my life after death is is for for it simply to end. I have a destiny. I have an immortal soul, and I don't know what that destiny is, and I don't even know it. Need to know what it is, but I want to live true to that destiny, and therefore, no matter how many things fall apart in my life no matter how much suffering or misery or affliction or trial or struggle or challenge I face every day, I refuse to limit and measure my life according to those things. 
the measure of my life is you and the destiny that you have given me. And at those moments, when I feel my own incapacity and my own powerlessness and my nothingness, that is not a time for me to withdraw, but to throw myself into your arms saying, you have given me this destiny. You have to lead me, lift me up, raise me, and save me. And he loves that prayer. And what you're talking about there, it sounds like to me, it's don't get so focused on myself. Yes. Don't get so inwardly, you know, uh, pointed, but remember, like you said, you know, Peter, the difference between him and Judas, Peter has that ability to remember all those encounters before. And it's critical. We have to do this every day because, yes, the crises are going to come, and if we're not living a kind of a hope-filled recollection at every moment then we're going to be unprepared and ill-equipped at those moments. And of course, it's going to be a time for panicking and, and, of, and, of, and of almost despairing. But mm. I remember reading a, bo- a book, a, a beautiful summary, basically, of sort of the, the exercise or, or the, 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 um, the enacting of hope. And the person said, hope is asking that the good thing that happened to me today embrace me again tomorrow. And that I can embrace it again like today. But it means every day in a Eucharistia and a thankfulness, being mindful of, okay, God did this for me. God appeared to me in this way. God intervened in this way. Jesus, he loved me. He forgave me. He showed his tenderness to me. He was gentle toward me. He illuminated me. He consoled me. He encouraged me today. And and I'm so grateful for that. And I really hope that that will happen again tomorrow. But if tomorrow, you know, my, my car falls apart and my computer explodes and somebody steals my credit card, well, who cares? Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I still believe that Jesus is there. And then somehow, even in those circumstances, he's going to give me his life, just like he did today, but in a different mode. And I'm ready for it. Every day. All right. Every day it's a renewal. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Teresa, who's listening in Pittsburgh. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Peter. Hi. Um, I just wanted to share this because um, you talk about hopelessness. Uh, Several years ago, I went through divorce, and my ex-husband blamed me for everything. I mean, everything. And I lost all my Catholic friends. I lost pastor turned his back on me. I, I lost everything. And uh, the feelings of death became greater than the desire to want to live, and I just gave up on the church. And then um, I thought, well, you, you would be better off fertilizer for an oak tree and food for wild animals. And I was going to the closet to get the rifle that I had in there and go to the woods. And my rosary beads were hanging out on a stack of clutter on my nightstand. And so I pulled them out, and I said, I thought you were going to help me too. I guess you're not real either. And I swung them against the wall. And this tingling, I got in front of my closet door, but this tingling and warmth started going up my arm. And I went back, and I looked at those rosary beads. I picked them up, and I just started crying over my rosary beads. And I've cried over them many times since. And I wouldn't be here without the Blessed Mother. And I have more hope in her and praying the rosary and telling her all these problems I've got than I have listened to the news. And I, I, I just, I would, like, I can't explain it. I, she would, 
Well, she stood at the foot of the cross and she heard it all. And you can't hide your sins from her because she saw them all hanging off Jesus. And so it's like she endured it all. She saw it all. She heard it all. And I, I just wonder if, if um, I just put a lot of hope in my prayers to the Blessed Mother. There are times that I have just held on my rosary beads and just begged her to help me. I was so bad. And um, I, I just wonder if, I don't know if there's any comment to make about that. I, I came back into the church and I forgave because I realized that she probably stood at the foot of the cross offering forgiveness for Judas. And so I forgave. And I, I, I just think she just, I don't know, she's just spectacular. I, I don't know how to explain it. Well, I think you picked the right word, Teresa. That's a spectacular story. And, um, you know, there's a reason why when we pray to the Blessed Mother, we say our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Because there are some, um, there are, there are some, uh, how do I want to express it? The possibility for hope in certain situations is made available to us only through the Blessed Virgin Mary. But I'll tell you this, the only ones who can really hope are the people who have had the courage to despair. And especially to despair of all of the illusions and all the lies and all the other things in which they found their security. And the fact is, at that moment of, of, of such utter darkness in your life, when you looked at that rosary, you knew the destiny that you were made for. And even though you flung it across the room, it still it called you back and you said yes to it. So... Oh my goodness, what a person of, of hope you are. And and maybe, it, as I say, it takes going through these really, really profound experiences of darkness to come to that rock-solid foundation of hope that we can build our life on and that and no storm is going to cause that, that house of hope to shake. Because that's clearly you now. And you've saved a lot of, 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 of people who are really despairing and, 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 and troubled with their own lives by your beautiful witness. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Teresa, for calling in and sharing such a personal story and just encouraging the listeners that are uh, tuning in today with uh, just turning to the Blessed Mother, knowing that she is that example for us of being able to forgive, being able to move on. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, as we're talking today about the virtue of hope with our spiritual director, Father Peter Cameron. Again, the studio line, 888-914-9149. We'll continue our conversation and take more of your phone calls coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. 
So glad to have you along here during this hour of The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director today, Father Peter Cameron, a Dominican priest in the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio, and we're talking about the virtue of hope and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. When have you been able to practice that virtue of hope in your life, uh, especially if you've gone through a difficult time, a time where maybe it did seem hopeless, and how did exercising that virtue of hope, living out that virtue of hope in Christ, being united with him, uh, looking ahead that there is something more than this life, how did that enable you to have joy in the face of suffering, in the face of pain or sadness? 888-914-9149. And Father Peter, right before the break, we were talking with Teresa. She was sharing her story about turning to the Blessed Mother, about uh, asking for Mary's intercession, looking at her example of being able to forgive those who hurt and killed her son. And, you know, you made mention of a very popular Marian prayer, the Hail Holy Queen, our life, our sweetness, and our hope that we talk about with Mary. Uh, the catechism of the Catholic Church says that hope is expressed and nourished in prayer. This is in paragraph 1820. And it goes on to say that the prayer that Jesus taught us, the Our Father, is the summary of everything that hope leads us to desire. Can you kind of uh, maybe unpack that a little bit for us, the Our Father being that perfect summary of Christian hope? Well, the Our Father leads us to the Father. And um, I mean, if, if you, if you, if you, flip it around and start from the end, we're asking for, well, okay, just save me from evil. Well, that's right. not enough. That's not going to That's not gonna enrich my life and give it fulfillment. And as we work our way through, okay, I, I want to I make sure I have help in temptations, and I want to be a forgiving person, and I want my daily bread, but I don't, that just can't be food. I, I need something more, and I can't even live by my own will anymore, because as talented or gifted as I am, that's good, but it's not enough. And even though I might have all the power in the world, my kingdom is basically, you know, it's it's lame, and it's going to come to an end. What I really need is the embrace of the Father. And so the prayer gives me the certainty that I'm not just praying into the wind, that this is this is the desire that's been implanted in, in, in my heart and in my soul, and that my baptism impels me to go after. That's, that's the drive that Pope Benedict the Sixteen says that we, we can't put down. It's the drive for the Father. So the more time that we spend in prayer, the more time that we are seeking out that relationship with the Father, the more that we can grow in that virtue of hope? Is that is that the lesson? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the more that we are fixed on what we are really made for, the less detached we become to the things of the world that are otherwise distractions. Father Peter, let's go back to the phones. We've got Leslie, who's listening in Tampa, Florida. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for welcoming me. When I heard my name, I just went, ah, I'm on. <laughs> it's scary to me. <laughs> you are. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, um, I have, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic and very conservative and been extremely pro-life and da 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 I'm 75 years old now. And I was called to come from California to Tampa for a spiritual reason, and I can't stand it here, and I shouldn't say that online, but I'm just not used to the mosquitoes and the humidity, but also because of COVID and because of politically differences and because of um, uh, even religious differences in, in family that's here, I feel very alone and 
sad. And one thing that has really helped me, I mean, got me through this, of course, is relevant radio. And I didn't have a TV for ages, and I didn't have a place to go or whatever, so I just turned the radio. I didn't know who I was listening to, but a friend whose name was Teresa said, oh, you got to listen to that. And I go, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a big life. I couldn't do that. But then when I got here, I'm being stripped of so many things here in Tampa alone, stripped of so many things. I've been listening to the radio so much all the time, and I keep thinking, I have something important to say. And then I think, no, nobody has any. Nobody wants to listen to me. And hey, Leslie, I'm going to ask you to bring the phone up a little closer to your mouth. You're kind of fading a little on us. Okay. So when you were talking about hope, I thought, yes, I'm going to call in. Yes, I'm going to call in. So I have had this card with me for about seven or more years, and I didn't make it up. And I think I should, it's all about the virtues of hope. And I will just say it quickly, uh, that it comes from an endow group that my women's ministry group was going through uh, before we did the consecration to Mary in the 33 days of morning glory, which I consecrate every single morning to Mary. And I have a little routine, which I've never had before. So I'm working on discipline and routine. But this prayer, I say, it, it has to do with the virtues. And it is hope is practiced through the virtue of patience which continues to do good even in the face of apparent failure and through the virtue of humility which accepts God's mystery and trusts him even at times of darkness. And those words, every single word, I had I learned I memorized it and at my age it was hard to memorize things but each of those words they brought about for me things like what I'm working on virtue of patience to be patient with others whether it's family members or somebody in in the store or someone helping you just to realize who they are how God has made them so special and loves them no matter what and also to work on my humility because in my age I thought yes I've learned something I must be wise a little bit let me work on wisdom no let me work on humility um, so I'm trying to just work on all the virtues but they all come back to hope too as well as love and I like what the priest had said about faith hope and charity and yes if you don't have hope you know in the Bible it says if you don't have love there's nothing but Somewhere, I think even on the radio here that are relevant was something to do with love is when you're like in heaven. You don't you don't need faith and hope because you've got love. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to call. So I guess if you have anything to say about that and if you can help me or if that can help others, um, I just, you know, just the virtue of patience. And, and and how that connects with hope. And I love the idea that even with suicide, someone is, you know, doesn't have the hope. So, um, 
Right. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for calling in and sharing that prayer that you have on your card there. And uh, Father Peter, as Leslie's talking, it, you know, the things that stood out to me is she, in that prayer, you know, the patience, the humility, the trust, we're talking about other virtues and, you know, living those out, that they're all coming together to make us a whole person, that we we live our goodness out in these different ways that are all interconnected. I love that that prayer, and it, it really boils down to this. Hope is the most perfect form of realism. So how do I look at reality? How do I regard reality? How do I engage it? The most realistic way to do it is from the perspective of hope, because only the hopeful person who has this deep intimacy and union with God and with the life of God has the capacity to see past the appearances that that really sabotage so many people and they just stop wanting to live because it just seems so dismal or so fatalistic or so defeatistic. But the hopeful person refuses to stop at appearances and is constantly looking beyond to find the something more with a capital S and a capital M because they know that it's there. And that's the reason for the humility and the patience and the docility, living by the wisdom and the obedience to the authority of another, all those beautiful virtues that are expressed in that prayer. Mm. Uh, Father, we're down to just our last couple of minutes here on the program, but as we've been talking today, you've made reference to the encyclical Space Salvi by uh, uh, Pope Benedict XVI. Are there good places that you might recommend? That might be a good one, but are there other uh, books, other writings, maybe something from a saint that you would recommend somebody for continued reading, learning more about living out the virtue of hope? I think many of the writings of Pope John Paul II, who himself was such a powerful hero of, of, of hope, would uh, would be a good place to look. And uh, the the one that comes to mind, as you mentioned his name, is Crossing the Threshold of Hope. Uh, yes, that, exactly. That's, that's the one book that <laughs> I, I remember reading through. And, and it might be, I think, his most accessible, especially for lay people that are mm-hmm. just uh, beginning to be introduced to maybe some of his writings. Uh, Father, again, we're uh, just about out of time here, but thank you so much for being on the program. As we do enter our last uh, 60 seconds here on the program, could I ask you to offer a final blessing for all of our listeners today? Loving Father, we thank you so much for loving us and for giving us the freedom that empowers us to turn to you with so much confidence and certainty and to hope in you. Help us in those circumstances that are so difficult and that can fill us with such dismay to be filled with hope and to beg not for those circumstances to change, but for you to give us the possibility for us to be changed within those circumstances, because we know that all things are possible in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Peter Cameron, for being our spiritual director today. And of course, if you were listening, you joined us late, you'd like to hear the opening portion of the program, you can always go back and listen to the podcast, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. You can find it either place. And tomorrow, we're going to look at more on the aspect of suffering and how we can make sense of the suffering that we go through in our lives. Father Carter Griffin is going to join us for that program. Should be a fascinating conversation. Of course, Mass is coming up next. Father Rocky, the celebrant. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.